Uh, this theme song is coming along nicely. It's coming. It only it, Malcolm Gladwell said ten thousand hours, and and we're we're inching closer. We're inching, so, clo- in, closer. incremental. So, how long would you think that takes? Maybe like thirty seconds. So we've got probably about two minutes. Two minutes That's of work in. <laughs> one hundred and twenty times ten thousand. One point two million episodes. We need to get. I to. am bet. Okay, awesome. I'm into it. This is episode eight. What episode? Twelve. What? Twelve episodes. You know, you, most podcasts only last seven episodes. So we are killing the game right now. We are two times better than everybody. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Stephen Campbell, and I am Frankie Campbell. We got married over the weekend. I'm kidding, gross. I'm Frankie French. <laughs> um, Stephen wishes. What's that? I said you, Stephen wishes. Yeah, I do, and that's why I, I hope 1.2 million episodes, and eventually we will be married. We will master this relationship. I think after 1.2 million episodes, you're just, it's like a common law marriage. You're, it's just already, I get half your shit. I feel like. Um, but yeah, so we got, we're, this, this nonprofits podcast, we talk with incredible nonprofits that are making an impact in their community, uh, locally, nationally. Uh, today we got Avenues for Justice on again. Talking, love those guys. Love them. And uh, we're going to talk about incarceration, recidivism, and, uh, you know, the environment that creates the problems that exist around it. Um, True. And before we do that, Frankie, what's going on with you? Um, Well, you mean with my incarceration rates? No, 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 no. I mean, just in, just in general, let's just talk life right off top. Oh, talk life. Okay. I'm like, wow, that's okay. That's deep. We're going to go into my record. Okay. Ooh. Um, no, uh, JK. So what's going on? I have a lot going on, Steven. I have two, well, I have an, a major audition that I need to really study for. I have, uh, <laughs> I have uh, two uh, packets, writing packets I need to submit. One is due tomorrow. I have not started it, but I have a good idea of what I'm going to do. So I'm just going to write it and bang out the, it's, just, oh, it's only one sketch. So I'm going to bang that out tonight. And um, yeah, and then I'm going to live my life and probably cry tomorrow after I get all my emotions out from getting everything done. Oh, what and I'm it? writing a book. What is the sketch about? My sketch is going to be about, um, so it's going to be um, Candace Owens. Uh, hold on one second. I'll tell you in just a second. It's it's kind of funny. My sister actually, who is watching us, kind of, I forget how what we were talking about. But it kind of the idea get, sparked from a conversation she and I were having. So it's going to be Ben Carson, Stacy Dash, Ice Cube, Little Wayne, Candace Owens, Isaiah Washington, Diamond and Silk, um, Dennis Rodman, the one black guy from the Capitol insurrection, and um, Terry Crews, and they're going to be putting together a heist to try to steal a black card, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. which I think is hilarious. <laughs> where, where would a black card be housed? 
That's what I'm trying to figure out. That that's yeah, that's the problem. Like how gold is in the U.S. is where gold is in Fort Knox. Knox. Um, we said at the same time, you're not smarter than me. Um, yes, but so I'm trying to think where would the black card be? Maybe like in the basement. Maybe it'll be like a, um, a tr- national treasure situation. Oh, my sister just said in Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she calls her vagina, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> I call it well, kinda. Um, <laughs> I had uh, like a national treasure situation, and it's in the basement of the African American History Museum. That could be. That could be like. Oh yeah, that would work. They have to follow like clues of stuff that's in there to like get to it. That's kind of funny, actually. Um, I, I wrote a sketch early COVID mm-hmm. where, about COVID? what about COVID? Yeah. Well, I had these guys reach out and they're like a uh, music label that was putting on this like streaming show. And they're like, yo, can you put some sketches together for us? Uh, give us, you know, 10 ideas. And I was like, cool. And, um, what I didn't realize was they were trying to distract from COVID, but at that point in time, my mind was so wrapped around COVID that I like couldn't not write about it. But the only one that I wrote that I remember that I enjoy still is Airbud 13, take it to the mat. And so the U.S. wrestling team is preparing for the Olympics uh-huh. and the whole team gets COVID. So they have to put Airbud in to wrestle. <laughs> and so then all of the different wrestling teams get COVID. So they all have to put in their own dogs and then it just becomes dog. <laughs> dog fight. <laughs> Does Michael Vick make an appearance? That's all I'm wondering. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like uh, it was a really good idea. They hated it. They absolutely hated it. Uh, I feel like Mike Vick could have come in at the end and been like, has this ever happened to you? Have you just been minding your business? <laughs> Or like a Smokey the Bear type situation, like only you yeah. can prevent dog fighting. Yeah, so basically. Um, so that's actually pretty funny, though. So I, uh, my 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 grandma passed away, and I was I just got back home yesterday from doing funeral stuff. Like, the, and look and at Stephen trying to go for the sympathy likes. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, if you stop watching this, you hate my grandma. Um, <laughs> and and one thing that you know, there's always funny in tragedy, right? And I was looking at mortuaries and like people be fucking around on Yelp heavily for mortuaries. That's like, there's so many Yelp reviews for mortuaries and, and they're all like one star reviews. It's like, duh, of course, uh, of course. I had a terrible experience. I did not have not one joke. It wasn't fun. It was so boring. And plus, there was a dead person. Right. If, <laughs> if the body's not decaying and nobody had sex with it, five stars. Five well, stars. The, the, the body's not going to be decaying. Someone probably had sex with it. I mean, I'm just... Okay. I mean, if you're working in a mortuary, that's kind of your demo. Three stars. Three, three, three stars. stars. <laughs> there was just like all these people just giving their own advice on how how people should be taking care of dead bodies. And like, you know, it's it's just how do they know? How do they know? It's the same as it, you know, I just don't think that the same platform <laughs> that I use to find Thai food 
should be what I use to find how to take care of my grandma's dead body. 100%. I agree. That's a hunt. My sister also agrees. She also said she's very sorry for your loss. So people listening, my sister's in the green room of the show and she's very vocal or you may know her as a bitch. Um, so she, <laughs> she's constantly commenting and I have to say her comments <clears throat> or she'll get very upset. So forgive me if I go, my sister said, my sister said that's, that's where that's coming from. But yeah, yeah I, I got in a Facebook argument, Stephen. you'll find this interesting <clears throat> about circumcising children or your sons when they're born. Sure. And cause someone posted, this is the most, ridiculous comparison I've ever heard in my life. Someone said, um, it's kind of weird how people mutilate their sons for their, uh, how, how people mutilate their sons based on their sexual preferences. It would be like if you're, you were a dad and you were like, I don't like long labias. And so you mutilated your baby dog. I'm like, no, okay. Yes. It was a white woman that said this. So um, I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, not at all the same thing. And I think it's just weird how in America, and I think maybe you'll agree with this, we leave no room for education or ignorance or learning or growth. We like leave no room for that. It's like, if you don't know this new thing, like things are this way now. And if you don't know that and you say or do the wrong thing, you are a piece of shit and we're canceling. Like that's not real life. And I, so I got not into argument, but I was just like, you know, <clears throat> Had I had my a son 15 years ago when I had my daughter, 100% would have circumcised him. 100% without question, without hesitation, without thought, because that's all I ever knew. You know what I mean? And, and I didn't know that it was a conversation you should have or a question you should ask or pose or what the pros and cons are. I didn't even think about that. It was just all my life. You have a baby. It's a boy. You take his, you, you, sure. <laughs> you circumcise him, period, end of the story. And you got to make sure you keep it clean so it doesn't get infected, you know, as he grows up. No, no judgment. To, oh, yeah. No judgment to uncut men, my sister said. Um, but also I'm saying, but my point is just that, you know, things change and they ebb and they flow. And I don't think, do you, what do you think about that? Just not about necessarily the topic, but how people were so quick to cancel or tell people they're wrong because they don't know. Sure. And, and that's one thing that I always say is, is I know that I'm liberal because of how quickly I hate somebody for not knowing something I didn't know yesterday. That's right? really good. That's good. Yeah. And, and like, and, and I catch myself doing the shit like, and I know that the, the time where I like really caught myself was I had watched Blackfish, which is this whole documentary about Shamu and SeaWorld and the treatment of Orca whales in captivity. And I grew up going to SeaWorld. I lived near nearby and I watched these animals in captivity as a child and I loved it. I had great memories from it. But then as soon as I saw this thing, anybody I saw bringing their kid to SeaWorld, I was like, that piece of trash. They're trash. I can't <laughs> believe that you didn't watch the same documentary I just saw last night. How right. dare you? <laughs> and it is this thing of like, I catch myself doing it all the time. You know, one of the things that I find is, is I am prejudiced of people based on how prejudiced I think they are. Hold on, say it again. You are, your degree of prejudice against the person. No, no, no. I am prejudiced of people based on how prejudiced I think they are as soon as I see them. Like, like if, I, if I hear- You're like the inception of prejudice. <laughs> well, you know what's wild is that like, 
if if I hear if I hear like a, a finance bro in like a in like boat shoes and like a like a North Face vest say <laughs> something that's socially conscious, I act like a Jim Crow white watching a Negro do math. Just like <laughs> I was like, I didn't even think that y'all could do that. Like I was, you know, just just. Horribly bad. This motherfucker say a Jim Crow white watching a Negro do math. Lord, the one thing we did right was the day we started to fight. I felt like a Negro spiritual needed to happen just to wash that out. <laughs> but I, I like the the amount of prejudice I. I just have in my brain as soon as I see a type of person based on how prejudiced I think that they are. Right. Right. Like I, I and, and and it and it's just this thing that I'm wrestling with. I'm just like, I I will, you know, there's easy ones, right? If somebody has like a Confederate jacket, like a Confederate flag done. on their Thank jacket. Yes. I'm already done with you. But what how would your world be rocked? if they had just the most progressive views ever, they're just like, I just love this pattern. I don't, I don't. Maybe yeah. it's a bad example. No, I get, I get it. Um, I think we all have prejudices. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I don't think you can exist in the world and not, right? Like if I see a bitch with trash shoes, I'm like, ew, yuck. But, <laughs> or like if I see a girl with like, <laughs> oh, my sister just told me that I'm trash. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, you're saying that girl is trash. Right. Okay. She agrees with me. Never mind. We're back sure. on the same page. Or if I see, like, here's one thing that I really judge. If I see a black girl with all white girlfriends and her hair is terrible, I am judging. So, like, where's your black mom? Like, you need, where's your girlfriend to say, okay, girl, okay, look. You need some moisture, like, you know, like you know, as a black woman, you have to have, you have to have black girlfriends. You have to, if you don't like, you have to, you can't go through your life. And so when I see a black woman with no black female associates, I'm what just, is your, what is the prejudice that comes out that they just, just that where they grew up or what is your I don't give a, I don't even care where they grew up I grew up in a predominantly white area but I'm just I can just look at you and tell you are garbage like your whole the way you process shit it my sister disagrees do you want to come on camera you want to talk about it no okay um okay so here's here's what I mean like they don't have enough care for, they don't know themselves enough to know how to properly take care of themselves so they can't know me enough to speak out against injustice just kind of generally, which could be 100% wrong, but I'm prejudging in that way. I'm making that assumption. It's a, like I said, it's a prejudice. Don't look at me like that. You said Negro. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did say that. I um, I think that if, if anybody believes that they don't have any prejudices, they should just look to clowns. You know, like, like First clowns. First clowns are horrifying. That's sure, right. Awesome. Clowns are horrifying. There's John Wayne Gacy. There's all sorts of different clowns that have given Pennywise. Pennywise is another great example. There was that dude that dressed up like the Joker, mowed down a whole movie theater. But when there you were just general clowns jumping out at people one summer, you don't remember that? Oh, that is true. But yeah, if insane clown posse. Okay, go ahead. If you break it down, a clown is just out there to make people happy, but they just have real bad press. 
You, They're just out there to live in your nightmares. That's all clowns do. You know, what I, was, I, was, I was trying to write this joke about like clowns getting treated like a, like a very, like, I was trying to write about clown, it, like. Interment camps. Interment it was a hilarious camp. joke. You really should bring it back. Right, I was just, but then I wrote for like an hour on clown internment camps. I looked like, motherfucker, this is just a circus. Like, <laughs> you, you put an elephant in this internment camp. That's a fun as internment camp. <laughs> I don't know. And this is the last episode of Nonprofits, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Steven we- uh, hates the blacks and now the Jews. And now we'll add clowns to that pile. Um, this is going to be very uncomfortable. I'll be back with a new host, probably my sister. Um, <laughs> and then I'll just be in the chat bar and I'll just, I'll just say some things Damn it. Ray didn't say Negroes enough <laughs> um, so, you know, so I'm excited to have avenues for justice on I don't know if you know this about me Stephen but I did a short stint in the Bing you may not know this I don't think what is the, the, the Bing it's the big house man it's, it's jail prison but it was really just county jail I was there for a week Um, and, but the story behind it is super fucked up. So my best friend at the time shows up at my house. Well, yeah, she showed up at my house. I was crashing with the boyfriend. She shows up at our house and I don't even notice (laughs) that she's covered with in blood from like the neck down. Okay. I I literally didn't know it was dark when she got there. So um, I'm like, yeah, take a shower, whatever. You know, you can sleep in the guest room, blah, 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 right? Next day, she's got a car, money, like whatever. Still don't know. I don't know anything, right? I just know she's got this car. She's got money. Um, and she's like letting me use the car. We were like 17, 18, you know what I mean? Young. So I drive, I take the car to 7-Eleven and a cop pulls up behind me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And uh Long story short, he's like, you know, this is car is stolen. And I'm like, it is like for real. And he's like, you know, what's your name? I tell him my name and he doesn't believe me. He thinks I'm I'm not going to say her name, but he thinks I'm my friend. So I get arrested and I go to jail and she ultimately turned herself in seven days later. What a bitch. Um, But the story behind it is she stabbed her mom like seven, eight times and tried to kill her mom. And stole her mom's car and money and like ATM cards and checks and all this other crap. And, and then, then she just showed up. And she just showed up. Didn't tell you. To didn't tell me shit. Told me nothing. But yeah. So later I found out. She's like, yeah, when I came to your house, I was covered in blood. I thought you knew. No, bitch. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let someone dripping in blood come in my house. Why would I do that? Am I stupid? Yeah. So that was my... Um, Stint in prison, and I, I did have someone try to bully me and take my soup. What kind and of soup? Her, um, it was like it was some gross, like stu- I don't know. It was like a broth, and it had rice in it. Some of the rice were moving. Like I'm pretty sure those were maggots. No, it was not goulash. It was it was not right. It wasn't good. I and um I when I was in jail, I I just got a cheese sandwich. <laughs> it was just it a. Really- it was just a slice of cheese with two pieces of white bread. And that, that was, 
that was that's all I remember. Not describing your dating profile, but whatever, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. That was that was it. I um I I went to jail in a like a predominantly Native American area, and you got a res. What's that? Uh, well, I went to school in Northern Arizona University, which is in Flagstaff, and Flagstaff's very close to the res. Um, okay. But it was like I I didn't realize how many people's names were actually like cool ass like, like little uh, black lighting yeah like big bear and shit I like know, that. i was like what you, know, you actually got those names that's cool um it'd be more commonplace and so many more indians if white people didn't come and kill them but you know whatever um sure sure <laughs> yeah um okay well we 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 talked we <laughs> Why don't be awkward? Why are you you're making me feel weird? Don't be awkward. No, no, not at all. Oh, Stephen, what did you get arrested for? Um, it was a public urination. No, it, I I just Grab kept that having, photo. I just had a bunch of parties, and eventually the police got upset with the fact because I would always have the parties, and then when the cops came, I would leave with everybody, and then we would just leave the house vacant. And then the cops would just hang out at our house and I would just spend the night somewhere else. And That's I, hilarious. I would do it in like all the time. And then eventually they found out who it was because it, someone his, said his last name was Campbell. My last name was Campbell. And then so like one time I saw him and I was like, officer Campbell, I'm Stephen Campbell. And then which are was, you serious? That's how you got caught. You told on your, you turned yourself in accidentally. Well, but then when he came he knew that Stephen Campbell, whatever, he put some dots together, figured out who I was. Wow. I felt like, you, I feel, yeah, um, some folks in our, in our DMs are calling you an idiot. I don't know if you know what that is because you're a moron, but that's ridiculously wow. amazing. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm not proud of, of it. I'm not, I didn't mean to do it. But yes, I turned myself in accidentally. I'm a Campbell. I might be the Campbell you're looking for. No, not the soup. Steven. Yeah. I, I you're party. breaking up this party. I'm having a party. How crazy. <laughs> this is insane. I think I saw you there last week as I was fleeing the scene. Hilarious. I can be a little too friendly. I think, I, I, you know, I've, I've had actually another interaction with the police. Ray, my sister, who's in the comments, we were in the mall. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but we were in the mall and we were actually not doing anything really wrong. We were just being in the mall and we were being 15 and we were idiots. So we're just walking through the mall, like, you know, whatever, shooting the shit with each other. And these cops got upset. They felt we were being too loud. And um, we were like, OK, you know, and they're like, you need to get out of the mall. And we we're like, OK. And then he goes, Do you, don't say another word. And we looked at each other and we go, word <laughs> and then they beat the shit out of us yeah and then they beat us up um two male police officers and when we went to court the judge said that was a textbook arrest <laughs> like they dropped all the charges and let us go but yeah they were like no he was definitely supposed to beat the shit out of two teenage girls that's a hundred percent how that was supposed to go down <laughs> i feel like no it was not and that horrific yeah, I guess that kind of opens up the conversation that we're going yeah. to have with Avenue. Yeah, my sister said we hit them first. I don't remember that. 
Oh, you, no, you hit one of them. Yes, I remember that. You hit first. Not, um, we did. Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember that story that way. Anyway, moving on. Skip that story. Um, control, <laughs> delete. Control, alt, delete. Wait a minute. Wait. That is, that, is a, that is a different story. It is a different story than the story that you told. Um, but revisionist history. Because I, I don't remember that. And they, I, I remember us saying word. Okay, sorry, everyone. She's talking to me in the comments. And she's looking at me like, bitch, we did. What I think the story is, is she did. And then I had her back. You knocked his glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds realistic. That sounds like it could have been accurate. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So now, now does that sound like more accurate? What the, what actually happened? No, I don't, I still don't remember that that way. I remember fighting back, but I don't remember striking the first blow. That I don't remember. Um. Well, should we bring, <laughs> should we bring our guests on? Yes, please. For the love of Christ, I don't understand why they haven't come on yet. Like, what are you doing? Make it happen, Frankie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Avenue for Justice. Hey. hey guys Wes hey. and Johnny good to have you guys back um you know we really went up in the weeds uh talking about all the things that we were talking about uh but we do appreciate you guys being here we it, we had you guys on episode one and we talked about a lot of the work that you guys were doing anybody that hasn't listened to episode one listen to it now Spotify Apple, really, really quick I advertised you guys incorrectly and i apologize because you're both so wonderful so weston that you see on the screen is weston not johnny and johnny that you see on the screen is actually johnny they are not doing a funny name swap like i like to do with steven so they have their names correctly i posted incorrectly but i don't want to take it down because it's so cute Um, it is cute it was it, it was nice to be johnny for a minute and so for the guys that didn't listen uh, to the last episode or to the first episode, um, quick version of what you guys do. Would you mind sharing real quick? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so Avenues for Justice, we're an alternative to incarceration program. We work with youth from the ages of 13 to 24. Uh, the majority of our participants have open legal matters. So we go to court with them. We advocate on their behalf. We try pro- providing them with a second chance at freedom, at life. Uh, sometimes those second chances turn into third, fourth chances. Uh, we never give up on our kids. Um, and we, you know, we're there every step of the way. You know, um, we're, we're on call 24-7. Uh, if any of our kids are struggling uh, financially, we may go to like the, the grocery store with them and get them, you know, hundred dollars worth of groceries. Oh, if wow. Kid, you know, if a kid is not in school, we'll get them back into school. If a kid, let's say, has some sort of like, let's say marijuana problem, you know, we'll refer them to an outpatient program. If that doesn't work, we'll refer them to an inpatient residential program. You know, in addition to all that, we also have workshop activities for our kids. Uh, To name a few, we have job readiness. We have a creative writing class. 
you know, a um, couple of months ago, we started a digital literacy course, you know, to um, just prepare our kids, you know, with like the basic knowledge of like using a computer, Microsoft Word, you know, stuff like that. And we also um, started an OSHA 30 course for some of our kids who may be interested in the construction field, you know. And in addition to that, we also have kids that... Um, that are not involved in the criminal justice system that we work with. So we, we provide um, preventive service, prevent, excuse me, preventive services to them, which may consist of tutoring, uh, having them participate in some of our workshop activities, and more or less, again, working with them, providing them the guidance and the counseling that more or less they may need. How do those kids come on your radar? Um, Usually the preventive clients come, to our program with a friend. So their friend may already be part of our program and they, they'll ask one of the court advocates, hey, I have a friend, can I bring them? Sure, you know, and we always put the word out there like, you know, we have this workshop activity, feel free to invite any of your friends and sure gotcha. enough, they do. That makes a lot of sense. That's amazing. I'm actually, we talked about, I t- mentioned it to you guys earlier, but I'm actually working with Elsie Flores um, to get some of the young ladies that are involved in your program connected to Stand Up Girls to uh, see if we can get them uh, into stand-up and kind of workshopping things through that to give them another outlet of expression, which I'm, I'm very excited to do with you guys. It's going to be really great. cool. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that, you know, we talked, we talked a little bit about the work that you guys do during the last episode. And one of the things I wanted to kind of chat about and, you know, the environments that create a situation where a kid gets put into the system and maybe is stuck in the system. Um, You know, Frankie and I have just showcased how big of idiots we were at that age. We, and, you know, and, and kids, kids make tons and tons of mistakes. And, and I, and I guess my question is kind of what sort of environments create um, you know, outside of the, the easy answer of, of, of racial privilege, where one kid can get stuck in the system and one kid can dip a toe in and not have any sort of ramifications for it? Um, I think what causes the kid to more or less become heavily involved within the criminal justice system uh, has a lot to do with their structure at home, mm. whether or not they actually have, you know, like a family, you know, some of these kids, most of these kids don't have a father figure in their lives. They're being raised by hardworking moms, you know, who have a lot on their plate, you know, and um, when, when you don't have that, you know, and you don't have that structure at home. And again, it's nothing against, you know, hardworking moms who have a lot on their plate, have to go to work, may have other kids that they need to take care of. You know, some of these kids, they're going to go hang out in the street, hang out with, the, you know, with their friends and look for that family structure that more or less they're missing at home. You know, because again, like, for example, you may have a kid who, you know, is coming from like a broken home and he's going to go out, hang out in the streets, hang out, you know, like with his friends or whatever. And what do they have in common? The same thing. 
you know none, sure. of, none of these kids have that structure at home they don't have you know that union that family feel you know someone there advising them letting them know like hey you know go to school we believe in you work hard do what you got to do you know some and, and it's unfortunate but some of these families get to the point where they give up on their kids and and it's a shame you know and i think that that's another key role that we play in their lives because we never give up on our, our kids you know we let them know like hey you're going to do this you could do it you know we're always always there advising them letting them letting them know like we believe in you. You could be able to get that high school diploma or you could be able to like accomplish anything you want, go to college, you know, have a good paying job. And again, it goes back to the family structure because they don't have that at home, you know? And just like I said, you may have hardworking moms who try their best, but then you have other parents who really don't care, who have been there, done that. And that's what they know. They don't know how to how to make progress, how to be able to like succeed in life, mm-hmm. and then and, it stems down to the kids. And in addition to that, um, thank you, Johnny, for sharing all that. There's uh, there's a component at the school too. So even if you have, um, for example, if you're in an area with a good public school, uh, even if you're in a tough family, you're going to have people looking out for you at the school, teachers that are gonna try to be your mentor, people that are gonna identify you as someone who might have some problems in the home to lift you out of that situation. A lot of our kids are going to schools where they're not having that type of support at the school. So it's, Mm -hmm. they leave the home with no structure, they come to the school, it's over-policed at the school, they're going through metal detectors at at the school. If they're angry, they're getting in fights with the school security, they're cutting class, whatever it might be. They're in oversized classrooms. So it's kind of just like whether they're at home, whether they're at school, there's no structure. And then, you know, sometimes the only time they feel like they can, they have a community is in the street with their friends Mm -hmm. because they don't have that community at school. They don't have that community in their home, especially if they're living in um, a housing project with, you know, a lot of families, a lot of, you know, different unique and tough situations stacked up on each other. Um, the street is like the best outlet for them. When you, when you guys say <clears throat> that you don't give up on your kids, what, what, what does that mean? Do you have like a three strikes or, you know what I mean? Like, how does that work? Is it just forever? Like we can, we, we know you're going to get it at some point and we'll, we'll be your safety net until you do. Like, how does that work? I'm curious. So in terms of our program, it's not, there's no three strike rules with their every step of the way. So it'll be like a roller coaster ride. You know, our kids, they're not perfect. They're going to dig themselves in holes that are, that we as, you know, as an organization, as a family are trying to dig them out of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the line is drawn once the judge says I've had enough or once That's the true. prosecutor is pushing to say, you know what, this young man has gotten so many chances and I face that, you know, in court with one of my kids, uh, I want to say before the new year was over, you know, um, where the prosecutor went up to the judge, let the judge know, look, the record speaks for itself. This young man, he didn't go to therapy. He wasn't going to school. He didn't complete the inpatient residential program, you know, and again, this is a good kid, you know, but the family structure is a big component as to why this kid 
wasn't where where he needed to be. Don't get me wrong, his parents are in the picture, but his parents work, you know, and yeah. they're they're not always there to let him know, like, hey, you got to get up. School school's about to start, you know. I mean, we're talking about what a twenty-year-old young man who should be a little more responsible to know. I got to get up in the morning. I got to take care of my school, you know. Right. But I can't blame the family because this is, you know, a unique situation where, again, this young man has both the parents. They're trying to provide for their family, but because of that, you know, like they're not home and they can't be, on, you know, like on top of this kid, making sure he's mm-hmm. doing what he what he should be doing. And that's where my, you know, my my key role comes into play as being the court advocate on the case and working with this young man where I'm on top of him and I'm like, you got, look, I got, I got an email from school. Was there a reason why you didn't get on for school? You know, mm-hmm. cause I mean, everything's taking place digitally now. Right. So, you know, I'm there every step of the way trying to make sure like, Hey, you got to take care of X, Y, and Z because that judge is not playing. The prosecutor's not playing. And sure mm-hmm. enough, when we went to court, the prosecutor, you know, threw everything out there. And I'm like, your honor, this is a young man that ever since he's been with us, I mean, he's been trying, nobody's perfect. You know, mm-hmm. and the good thing is that since he started working with us, he didn't get rearrested. So that's a plus. Okay, that's a big plus. So where can I ask where he is now? What's going on? I'm very invested in his story now. <laughs> um, he he fortunately was able to get uh, the youthful offender status. And what that is, it seals your record. You qualify for it when you commit a crime at the age of 18 or younger. Um, and the way you, you obtain that is through a program like ours. You have to comply okay. with the rules and regulations of our program. And then sentencing day, you'll get your youthful offender status. So he got the YO. In addition to that, he also got, I believe it was three years probation and one year condition to us. So what that means is for another year, I'm going to be in the picture, making sure I'm on top of him, making sure he's going to school, you know. How's he um, doing? Um, I must say that since he's gotten on probation, he's doing better. I mean, it's not picture perfect better, but he's doing a lot better. But he seems motivated to to turn it around. Uh, it's it's a roller coaster ride with him. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, I, get, I was a, a delinquent growing up, so I completely get it. It was, you know, but I had a lot of stuff happening in my house and around my house and around me. You know what I mean? So I couldn't get I was looking for someone to save my life and there wasn't anybody. You know what I mean? So I get it. You know what I mean? I completely get his situation. It's difficult to go from having nothing and no one to having someone, even though this person's telling you, you know, we believe in you, you can do it here are the tools to help you. It's still difficult. You still are internalizing everything that you've been through and you still see yourself as a piece of shit. You still see yourself as worthless and, and overcoming that is difficult. That takes years. I'm, I'm personally a full grown adult. I'm still not fully over that thought process. You know what I mean? So I still struggle getting certain tasks done, you know, because, you know, I'm drawn back into whatever past, traumas I've had, you know what I mean? Even today. So if he's at least getting up and waking himself up, (laughs) that's in my opinion, an accomplishment. So good on for you guys to stay in his life and try to help him to turn it around. I saw um, Teach for America was saying that over the last year, they've got like 30% of their students that are just unaccounted for because they're not logging into 
there's zoom classes and stuff like that. What sort of added challenges are you guys seeing now that everything is virtual? I'm sorry. Do you want to, um, so yeah, I, I was on mute. Sorry about that. So in regards to like everything taking place virtual, um, I feel like it's been, it's been a difficult task to say the least. Um, it's been difficult for, for everyone, especially for our kids, you know, um, they, everything transitioning over to like zoom and, you know, like just making sure that you're online and, you know, um, taking care of like your, your schoolwork and all, it's been tough because these kids are not used to that. They're used to actually having to go to school mm-hmm. and be present, you know, um, prior to COVID-19, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, don't get me wrong, kids would struggle, you know, but now you don't have that structure as you would if you were there personally. You know, and when, when, when you don't have that structure, the vast majority of not only our kids, but just kids in general, they're going to struggle. You know, if you don't have like, let's say that human element and contact, you know, when you're, when you're present in school, in person, you can always raise your hand, have a talk with the teacher after school or after class. You can't do that virtually. You have to email them and then wait till they email you back, you know, and then on top of that, even with our program prior to COVID-19, you know, we, we, we have two community centers. The kids will come after school, participate in the workshop activities. Now, I mean, again, with the full schedule taking place with school online, we're doing things virtually. So we do it like after school, you know, and, and some of these kids, like it's a struggle to like get them on zoom you know because like they're so burnt out from this long day sitting in front of a computer Mm -hmm. on top on top of that our community centers not only served as a place for programming and workshops but they're a safe space for our kids to go um in the afternoon hours from four to seven which is when most crime happens for young kids because it's when school gets out so what's what ended up happening was um you know, I, there's this young woman that we work with who lives in a house with, it's like a two bedroom apartment with eight family members. It's very crowded. It's very stacked. And from 3.30 to 7 PM, five days a week, she could come to our community center, be one safe and two, just have space to walk around, to talk to kids her age and to be around mentors like Johnny, who are going to be there for her if she needs it. And she was talking about how much of a struggle it was, especially at the beginning, to just be in that a crowded apartment and not have that safe space to go. Um, and a lot of our kids start to, you know, become friends and bond over the, the shared experience of going through the criminal justice system and working to get out of it, sure. which, you know, some, some kids just want to get in and get out and just get their legal matter taken care of. Other people really buy into the program or buy into the, like, camaraderie of mm-hmm. the program. And so for those kids, it's, it's definitely really tough. And so we're working really hard starting a couple weeks ago to try to provide that space again for our kids in a safe manner. Um, three weeks ago, we piloted the first um, appointment only drop in hours for our community centers where everyone's wearing masks. We do a temperature check, fill out a COVID screening, 
um, form. And while it's not perfect, um, it is at least a start to get these kids in the room to, you know, see how they're doing, like look them in the eyes, see if they, if they look like they're doing well, you know, mm-hmm. if they smell like weed, that's something that our executive director, Angel Rodriguez always uses this line. He talks about just the, the human to human contact, like knowing, you know, is the person bathing? Are they smoking? Like all these things yeah. that you can tell when you're around them, you can't tell when it's online, especially sure. if the camera's off. So true. What about the kids who were struggling with, um, you know, getting online before, you know what I mean? I know that there's kids who don't have laptops. They don't have Wi-Fi. What are those kids, you know, do you guys have any clients like that? And what are you doing for those kids or is there anything to do? Yes. So, um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to actually be able to be very hands-on with our kids. Uh, when COVID first started, we made sure that those kids that didn't have laptops, we would be able to, to help them and provide them laptops, you know, for, for their school, for their schoolwork, for, um, for the workshop activities that more or less, you know, we implement. Um, in addition to that, we also help them out across the board. So let's say, for example, if a kid, you know, again, uh, going back to like, you know, the financial struggles, if they didn't have groceries at home, we would help them, you know, get, get groceries. If a kid didn't have, you know, um, a cell phone, you know, because again, with COVID, there was a lot of people losing their jobs, you know, mm-hmm. and let's say we had a kid that didn't have a phone, we will help them and get him a cell phone to make sure that they stay in communication, to make sure that they call for curfew, you know? Right. Um, so during COVID again, and again, times, times is tough. We're still not out of the woods yet, but we've been there every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Well, I love what you guys do. It's really amazing. I mean, it's so necessary. It's unbelievable how necessary it is. I, and I grew up in the suburbs. You know what I mean? So I didn't grow up in the inner city, but I still had it rough. You know what I mean? So compound that with growing up in a city where it can be significantly more difficult. What you guys do is is really amazing. I know kids who had everything. They had both parents at home. They had money. They had all of the things. And then they still chose to go down a path where they were committing crimes, doing drugs, getting in trouble, not going to school, all of those things. So I can't even imagine, you know, what these kids are, what's happening to some of these kids in the city with, you know, one or no parents at home. You know, right. some kids are just kind of on their own. So, you know, good on you guys. Um, we would, you know, we love what you do. You guys are always welcome back and back and back and back and back here. Can you please tell the people watching how can they contribute to Avenues for Justice and can they volunteer like all of those kinds of things? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with uh, contributing and where to follow us, and then Johnny can finish it off with volunteering. Um, so if you go to avenuesforjustice.org, and you can see how it's spelled on our backgrounds, um, you can click the donate button right there. Oh, nice, Frankie, that looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, so avenuesforjustice.org, and then on Instagram, we're at avenuesforjustice, and then on Twitter, we're at avenues, the number four, justice. Um, gotcha. So please follow us uh, where we try to post every other day or so about different client successes and what we're uh, up to. We've got a few Instagram lives coming. We're going to be chatting with some cool people in the community. So definitely give us a follow. Um, Johnny, do you want to share volunteer opportunities? Yes. So you could be able to reach out to me uh, in regards to volunteer opportunities. Um, my email address is jj 
A R A at Avenues F O R Justice.org. And then we could be able to set up a date and time for a volunteer assessment and we could be able to discuss, you know, some of the volunteer opportunities within our organization. I love it. This is so and wonderful. We, and we uh, I just threw all of that in the chat bar. So anybody that's listening, Great. please. Thanks, Stephen. Of course. Um, also, one of the things I, I, I guess I didn't really take away last time. I, 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 I took away like the, the relationship building that you do with these kids and the uh, need for that to mitigate a lot of the getting into trouble. Um, I didn't really appreciate the structure that you guys put into um, people's lives. And I'm, you know, I'm like constantly trying to put structure around my own life to get my stuff together. And so again, just to piggyback on what Frankie has already said, uh, we do really appreciate what you guys do. Um, and my sister actually says she's very humbled by what you guys do, and she's an egotistical bitch. So that's yeah. saying like a whole lot. <laughs> that's so much sides. nicer than the what chat, she said there's about two me. rays going on. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like that's so much nicer than anything she said about me. Um, which I'm sure she has the same things to say about me behind closed doors. <laughs> Um, but yo, I appreciate you guys so much. So Thank much. You. We love Avenues for Justice. You're one of our faves. And no, we and, don't say and that. And shout out to Comedy Hub as well. And oh, also, everyone that's listening to the podcast, this is something that we've always forgot to do. Like, uh, give all the five stars and give a good rating and all that jazz because we're starting to pick up some steam on the podcast side itself. But um, yeah, go to Spotify. We're on Spotify now, nonprofits. Go to Apple, I mean, Apple. I have a blue check, so I don't know what the fuck Stephen's doing, but yeah, I'm definitely benefiting. I am 100% benefiting. I'm just riding them coattails, baby. Let's do that's, it. That's all that matters. I'm a queer black woman, and we must succeed at all costs. I feel like that's fair. Right. I And I'm a straight white man that's just trying to find his way in the world. <laughs> it's tough for you guys right now. I get it, Stephen. It's so tough. Avenues right. for Justice, Weston, Johnny. I really, I seriously cannot tell how much, tell you guys how much I love and respect what you do. I know I've said it a thousand times, but if I had you guys when I was a kid, I swear to God, things would be so much different. It's amazing. Never give up. Please keep doing the work. I'm excited to work with you guys. Um, I think Ray is going to try to figure out how to volunteer and get her friends involved. Um, So yeah. So awesome. 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 We will see you guys uh, next Tuesday. I am Stephen Campbell. And I'm Frankie French. And this is the nonprofits. Ow. Okay. Love you guys.